Welcome to the eighth episode of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Lovin. And I'm Bryn Jackson. Nailed it. Nailed it. Nice. <laughs> All right. This week we're sitting down with Chloe Park. She's a senior experience designer at OpenTable. Before that, she worked at USA Today, interned at Condé Nast. She's kind of been all over the place. Yeah, uh, so this is our first time in two months recording in the same room. Uh, so Chloe's here with us and Brynn and I are in the same room. So hopefully it's a little bit of a better format, a little more personal. And yeah, if you have any thoughts for us, definitely hit us up on Twitter. We're at Design Details FM. Or you can shoot us an email if you have any thoughts or feedback. We're designdetailsfm at gmail.com. Uh, before we get into this episode, we wanted to thank our sponsors. This episode of Design Details is brought to you by iconfinder.com. Uh, they have the largest selection of premium vector icons. You are always guaranteed to find the perfect icon for your design project. Uh, if you sign up for Icon Finder Pro today, you can use the promo code ROBOT to get 50% off your first month. Uh, check them out. If you need any icons for your design project, that's iconfinder.com. Our second sponsor is once again Hover. Hover is the best way to buy and manage domain names. Uh, when you have a great idea, you want to secure a great domain name for it, you want something catchy and memorable to represent your project, and Hover gives you exactly what you need to find the perfect domain for your idea. So you can get a great name, then get started actually working on it, and move on to the next thing on your to-do list. Like starting the show. Well, I'm, I'm sure this is going to be the best the most exciting episode it has to be now yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's gonna be action. so much fun it feels so real <laughs> <laughs> thanks for joining us uh so tell us a little bit about some of the stuff you're working on right now at open table um so at open table lately i have been working on our restaurant ipad app which is the side of the business that most people diners like you and i are not very familiar with but it's the app that restaurants, um, hosts and the front of house people are using to help better serve diners with table and guest management. I know that sounds like a mouthful and kind of boring, but it's a very important tool and it's the side that makes us money. So yeah, been working on that. And previous to that, I worked on a bunch of consumer stuff that I think m- most people are familiar with or more people are familiar with. Yeah, when you mentioned that, I was curious. Um, so you worked on the iPhone app for OpenTable, uh, which you know millions of people use, and then you transferred over to working on sort of the back end stuff for restaurants. Um, how's that transition gone? What's it been like? It's been it's been great. Um, I think the diner side is definitely the quote unquote shiny product. It's the consumer product that, um, like I said, you and I are familiar with. We use. It's the stuff that designers get excited about because you could say, hey, Brian, go download this app. I have it. I, I worked on it and you can actually use it and it makes sense. Um, but the restaurant side is probably what we would call the, the unshiny. It's not as um, maybe as fun and easy and most it's hard to explain to people to give that like elevator pitch. Um, so it tends to be kind of shuffled away when it comes to the the desirability to work on it, I would uh, uh, un- organically at least. Sounds kind of thankless, maybe a little bit. Yeah, I think it's just it's a little bit more unseen mm-hmm. by um, the majority of the, the millions of diners that we seat. Um, so uh, it can be unforgotten, or sorry, no, it would it would, it can be forgotten. Um, Does but, that change the way you approach working on it at all? Um. It doesn't. I don't think it's sh- changed the way I've worked on it. Um, but what's been interesting is, uh, 
getting to know both sides of the business. So what I was going to say with the consumer side is it's easy for me to identify myself as a diner. I go out and eat. I make reservations. So um, to put myself in the head of the user where when I go out, um, what I'm trying to do with this app, I can already, I'm already the user, right? right. And or a user. Whereas the restaurant side, I have no idea. I, I did do a really, really short stint as a host at a sushi place when I was in high school, but there was no open table then. It was like this laminated map on a host stand of the, the sushi place. Yeah. So it was. I mean, those are the best sushi places, right? <laughs> it was legit. It was legit. Um, but not, not on a system on an open table. And so I, I've basically approached the restaurant side, the stuff I'm working on, completely new, which has been actually really good um, for approaching it and testing things and working on it um, in the proper way and doing testing and talking with users. Whereas with the diner side, it's easy to make assumptions about things because you're like, I'm a diner. I know what I want, but I'm just one of millions. It feels like it'd be easier to get user feedback by working with the teams behind the restaurants. Is that the case? Do you get to be like in touch with them very frequently? We do. We try our best to do that. Um, and I, I think it's one of those cases where it's it's a fine balance of like um, uh, getting to talk to the user, users and uh, the restaurants, understanding what they want, but also remembering that we have many of them. It's it's I guess the kind of scandalous way of talking about it is like I'm the ultimate pimp dating like like 30,000 restaurants, right? And you're like, I like, I am like wanting to please like Momofuku and then I want to please like 1601, sorry, um, and all these different restaurants and um, they all have different needs. They're all, um, they could be in different languages in different countries. And so being able to cater to all of their needs and wants and making them all each feel like they're special, like, you are so special, Momofuku, and then going to another restaurant and making them, making sure that they feel special and their sp- needs, and then designing software that works for all of them with all these different um, constraints. Like, I think the best example I give is we have a 13 top, like, tiny hole in the wall place in Japan, and they will want to be on Guest Center. And then we have the, the really big um, Vegas restaurants that have buffets. And we have one software that's supposed to work for both of them. And that scalability in, and their needs are definitely going to be different. Like the 13 top is going to want to know everything about each and one of their guests, like down to the very T and a larger place just might not have the capability to ha- be that hands-on with each one. So, so working with these constraints and having to please so many different people, what is the design process at open table? How, how many people are you working with? What's the flow like? How do you get to the final product? So I think I rely a lot on um, my uh, product manager and our um, wonderful developers for the Guest Center app. Um, currently, it's me and two other designers working on it. Um, we and and the thing is with Guest Center, which is the name of the iPad app, but also that side of the, the product, um, Guest Center is multi-platform. It's on the web, and we have a setup portion on the web, and then we have the iPad app. But the web app is completely responsive so we have restaurants accessing it from all kinds of mobile phones tablets their website i mean um, a computer and also even broadcasting it on a really large screen like a tv and um 
so the three amongst the three of us, we split all that, all the platform work and, and that. And we definitely need more designers. We are hiring. I was going to make sure I put that plug nice in. Nice plug. <laughs> nice. Very sneaky. Uh, very smooth. I know. What kind um, of roles? Um, all, all sorts of roles. We have everything ranging from, we call ourselves experience designers. So we have experience designers, senior experience designers, leads, and we are trying to expand our design team into our London offices. So anyone interested in working in London, also holla. Holla. But yeah, our, so our process um definitely is dynamic. I think there's a lot of business needs and asks that are being pushed down um, on us for release on the, on, on the iPad. And I don't mean to, I don't mean to make it sound horrible. I think it's, it's exciting. The company hasn't really actually had a design team or in-house design team ever. And the company has been around for 15 years now. It's found, founded in 1999. And so um, the fact that we have, designers and um, people that are dedicated to working on their product is super exciting. And I think that enthusiasm has really caught on company-wide. And because of that enthusiasm, of course, there are a lot of asks. Um, And we try to do our best job of being edifying and figuring out what parts and what things we should deliver and what parts maybe not. And um, How do you say no to people? No. No. (laughs) <laughs> is there no like if if someone comes down to you from the top and says we need this feature and as an experienced designer you see it as being really negative on the user experience how do you enter those conversations with that person from up the chain so i think um my direct product manager uh his name his name is john um is pretty good about pushing back early on before it even gets down to, hey, design this feature. Um, I think we're always looking out for our users' needs. And um, I th- I think the execs do actually recognize that the difference between our previous platform, which was called the ERB, Electronic Reservation Booking System, um, it's a mouthful and <laughs> wow. it also looks like a mouthful. Um, uh, I think one of the biggest selling points about Guest Center has been its usability and just how friendly and kind of like that Apple um, experience of like, just take it out of the box and use it. Mm -hmm. And um, we've really delivered on that. And so that's one of our uh, design principles that we have about being easy to use and um, obviously being user-friendly. And so that's, I think design principles are actually a great way to um, make sometimes a mystical looking process and um, make it a little bit more pragmatic for other people in the organization, especially outside the design team, to understand and be like, "Look, these are our, you know, design principles, and like this doesn't adhere to that, or this is, you know, violating this, or um, maybe there's a better solution." I think, I think the biggest problem with any of the asks that we get generally is that they're very solution oriented or very prescriptive. Oh, we just need a button over here. We just need to be able to do this. Once we do this, this is gonna, this is gonna like. We're going to seal this restaurant and this whole restaurant chain and they have thousands of locations. It's going to be a huge deal. Um, but in reality, I think we have tried to bring in a process of that's just a potential solution. What is actually the problem here and not being so prescriptive about what it's going to look like? Um, and that's been huge because I think doing it the other way and being solution oriented has led to the ERB or the ERB. 
um, where you put a button in this corner and a button in that corner, and then you change the color here, and then you give a color mixer capability, and then you can tack on a border, and then do a highlight, and then, yeah. That's 5,000 <laughs> cuts, right? Exactly. So so Photoshop for restaurants, then? <laughs> yeah. It actually kind kind of is. Um, there is a color color mixer. I think that was, some people were very sad that was gone in. Because I chose, I was like, nope, these are going to be the colors. Be be um, <laughs> That's pretty prescriptive of you. <laughs> What's it like, uh, or how's, how have things changed in the last two years you've been with the company? Well, almost two years. On a company level? Uh, on on a design level. So you were number three? Yeah, I was pretty early. I was like one of the earlier members of the in-house design team. Um, I think the design team in general kind of got kickstarted when they decided to acquire food spotting, uh, which is, for people who are not familiar, is a app that helps you find places to eat or um, buy dishes. So instead of like Yelp, where you go in to look for by location or a restaurant name, you could type in margarita pizza and you're looking just for margarita pizzas and it will find you the best margarita pizzas by location, also probably based off your social network. Um, but the founder of Food Spotting, Alexa Andrzejewski, is a designer founder. And so with the acquisition, the whole team came on and she was, I think, kind of one of the pioneers in um, voicing concerns about having design culture at Open Table. And she was actually the one that reached out and personally recruited me. But um, yeah, so that what was February-ish of 2013 that they were acquired, and then I joined in May, and um, now we are at 20 people. So we've managed to grow quite a bit. And since then, I think there's been a lot of change, um, and I've I've been able to witness a lot of um, a bit of this. Is I think when we when the design team was forming, most of the company didn't really understand what designers did, and I mean I'm sure some of them still don't. <laughs> But um, I think we've managed to prove the value of design with a lot of the products that we've shipped, um, starting with the iOS 7 redesign app and payments was a huge thing and guest center and a website, opentable.com and all our other platforms. So Android um, is also a big one and we've seen growth grow on Oh, we've had higher conversion and growth on all, on these um, secondary or tertiary platforms um, with the addition of the design team. So mm. I think just just looking at the data for the the people who are extremely data driven and um, has been able we've been able to prove ourselves. And yeah, how do you guys yeah. make decisions with with data? Or are you doing any sort of testing or things like that? We definitely a lot of testing i think it's i mean it's definitely different on every platform um i was just talking with matt who is um working and leading up our web team our opentable.com team and that team has been doing a lot of testing especially with the redesign launch and just being able to track and understand what works well what doesn't work well what can work better and um yeah, the thing, I, and there's obviously like A-B testing. I think we do a lot of things that most tech companies might do. Um, and on the restaurant side, it's definitely, it's, it's, it's a lot more challenging, I would say, because you can contact diners. And like I said, almost everyone is a diner of, at some level. Um, we want to, to, um, research everyone. We don't want to just 
research the avid diner we want to do, the people who never dine out or who never use open table. Um, with the restaurant side, we are generally testing our users who are, in fact, our clients um, who are paying us and we're limited in the number of them and limited in how much we can, in a way, je- jeopardize our relationships with them. They're not an endless supply, like the billions of people out in the world that could be diners. Um, and so that's that's been harder. We think we have to be a lot more focused and careful with how we frame testing on the restaurant side and what we're asking. And um, Have you run into any really interesting problems at OpenTable that were like you wouldn't have expected? I think most of the stuff that I've been working on on the restaurant side has been new. Um, I was new to it. I, Like I said, I have very limited restaurant experience personally. And so everything has been kind of a discovery. Um, and there are a lot of problems in the restaurant space that I didn't know existed. Um, I guess the, the storyteller would say, the three of us are interested in going out to eat. Mm-hmm. and you're Always. Like, Let's go eat. Yeah, and you're like, okay, well, where shall we go? What shall we eat? I don't know. Let's let's open up open table. Party a table of three for nine o'clock. Late dinner tonight. Um, and in the Soma area, what do we got here? And you're like, oh, here, let's go to Twenty Five Lusk, fancy okay. dinner place. Um, you book it, and you're we're excited. We're gonna head over. I think a lot of diners and people, including myself, never really thought about what happens on the restaurant side of that. Mm-hmm. What do they receive? What is going on there? Let's say Bryn is deathly allergic to avocados. That's actually true. Wow, you nailed it. That's insane. How did you That's know? That's not remotely true. I love <laughs> avocado. Oh, you're going to run with it, Bryn. <laughs> but for this sake, yes. Um, okay, I will need an EpiPen if we go out there and they have avocado. Right, so we've already put that in the reservation notes. I've put deathly allergic to avocados in all caps. And you're like, I'm, again, have we ever really thought about what the restaurant side of that is? Like what that means for them? Maybe all their dishes are made with some kind of avocado, avocado oil, avocado mash, avocado. Um, <laughs> you mean guacamole? <laughs> <laughs> no, avocado mash, it's different. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so I think, I had really never thought about that, and it was it's it's a interesting twist to put on what the dining experience can be like for, on open table. So that said, all the restaurant stuff and the problems there are pretty fascinating. Um, it's pretty crazy to think of some of the restaurants and how high level and detailed they go. No, sorry, not high level. It's pretty crazy to think of some restaurants and how detail-oriented they are with serving their guests, especially the upscale places like in New York, for example. Um, They will literally Google people and get images and um, have everyone in the staff be able to recognize this person coming in tonight um, because they want to have that level of personalization. They don't want it to be like, oh, hi. They're going to be like, hello, Mrs. Park, or... I guess Miss Park. <laughs> Hello, Miss Park. Whoa, what happened in the I last? Got, I got five married minutes. in the last five minutes. <laughs> this is a uh, design details exclusive. <laughs> um, hello, Miss Park. Um, uh, here, let me let me take you to your uh, private dining spot, or you know, I see that you're allergic to avocados, or whatever it may be. 
Oh, now you're allergic to avocados? <laughs> We're all allergic. <laughs> this is the most bizarre group. We're all allergic to avocados. <laughs> Just don't even grow the avocados. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know why we'd go out to eat. All right. <laughs> why would you even eat if you can have avocado? I don't like it. It's not worth it. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, so, all right, there's this insane amount of detail detail that has to happen right personalization it's all about the uh i mean i I guess the better better way of phrasing it is that some of these restaurants are using open tables platform to be able to give that special touch touch and be extra personalized about how they treat their guests Mm -hmm. and it's kind of the x factor for them that's part of why people come to them and people expect that treatment so you're doing user research on how they do user research I mean that's quite meta, but um, <laughs> so I, I think it's it's user research on how they are using the product on their users mm. because this is a very big people. That's I think that's I think that's one of the more interesting parts about Open Table in general. That even though it is kind of a tech company, it is also a huge service and hospitality industry thing. So there are so many human beings and moving things involved and that makes it complicated but it also makes it super fascinating because it's humans and not like cloud storage or um not not to hate on cloud storage love cloud storage <laughs> oh, God, important I'm offend some people on this one. <laughs> um it's yeah it's just there's it's a hu- there's like a long chain of humans what's your favorite part about working at open table the food <laughs> um, <laughs> free food for all employees everywhere anytime um no i think uh it's it's great to work on a product that it seems pretty like a big part of uh what human beings do which is eating and um dining out and i've really enjoyed redesigning and working on things um that have been working essentially for the past 15 years but improving that experience and kind of being able to go and see like, okay, obviously Open Table has done well. They've made money. We are the restaurant, the leading restaurant authority, as they say. Um, <laughs> um, but what is, what's the next step from there? And I think we've tried to take, go from being a restaurant, restaurant reservation authority to be a dining authority. And like, how can we make, how can we empower dining experiences better? Um, Are you in marketing? (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm not. I'm just, I have that tone, I suppose. (laughs) Speaking of your tone. She sounds like Siri. Yeah. But better. Tell us about the uh, little project you've been working on on your phone. (laughs) I would hardly call it a project. That sounds too serious. Um, No, I was at lunch with my coworkers and I think I was joking that I can do the internet banner voice, the the congratulations voice where, you know, on, when we did do those talking internet banners, it'd be like, congratulations, you've won. And you would expect money to be pouring out of your computer or something. And I was telling them that. And so then it became this whole thing about like, oh, you're like a personal assistance voice. Like, turn left. In 500 feet, you know, whatever it may be. And um, then I remember the Keezy app. And while I do not sing, 
and I will not do that on this podcast. Um, I, (laughs) (laughs) the, the Keezy app has allowed me to try recording my voice, uh, as a personal assistant or, or using phrases that you might hear from a personal assistant. Sure. Let's see it. I'm going to play it right here. Oh, okay. Um, uh. (laughs) who's the, what's the name of your product manager? John. Where is he? Where's John? Do it from the front. (laughs) Is that thing charged yet or what? No. (laughs) Where's John? Not now, John. Where's John? (laughs) Sounds good. Excellent. (laughs) Um, I I was just joking with uh, Brian and Bryn that our, our VP... She always walks by and asks me, where's John? And so I actually gave this Keezy board to her and so she can just use it when she walks by and she'll literally be like, where's John? Where's John? And when John comes over and is going to bug me about something related to design, I'm like, not now, John. Not now, not, not now, not, not now, John. So, you know, it's, it's actually pretty, pretty helpful. Um, yeah, useful tool. Yeah, <laughs> but um, set yeah. open table electronic band. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, should we do a quick ad read? Sure. Iconfinder.com is the largest source of icons on the web. They have over four hundred fifty thousand icons available for you to use in any of your design projects. Uh, they have some really, really cool features. So you can actually get icons now in SVG format, PNGs. Uh, they work in Illustrator, Photoshop. However you work, Icon Finder works for you as well. They're adding 20,000 new premium icons every month. Those are coming from 1,500 contributing illustrators. And the cool thing we found was that Icon Finder is paying 70% of all revenue from icons to the illustrators. So if you buy an icon, you're actually supporting the artist. And that's pretty great. So, we actually have friends who are making money off this. Yeah. That's amazing. It like feels like it's coming back to the community. Yeah. I, oh, and if you're an illustrator, you should submit your icons yeah. and make money. For real, guys. Yeah. Get on it. Uh, if you check out Icon Finder Pro today, you can sign up and uh, use the promo code ROBOT when you sign up, and you'll get 50% off your first month, which is crazy. So check them out. Thanks so much to IconFinder.com for sponsoring this episode. You said you guys have basically like spots all over the design team that you're trying to fill, right? How involved have you been in the hiring process? If you look at my calendar, I look pretty involved, I would okay. say. <laughs> has, has that been pretty tough? Have they been open for a while? No, we've, we've done a pretty good job hiring. Um, culture fit is really big. We have a pretty amazing team. Um, I'm not just saying that, I swear. Um, like that, Of the 20, I think we're... Uh, we really consider ourselves family, and we even take selfies to prove it. But and we hang out a lot. I take selfies with my family a ton. Yeah, that's the, that's the <laughs> ultimate sign of family. That's how you know your family. <laughs> Sorry. Oh uh, <laughs> no! Exactly. Knock. Precisely. You guys get it. Um, and so that's been one of the things. Like we definitely find people of skill, and there's a lot of t- wonderful, talented people out there. And the other part for us, though, has been the culture fit and. These people, you know, once you're part of our family, you're part of our family. So we got to make sure we consider that decision uh, carefully. And what does culture fit mean for you? Like, what are the criteria of that? 
we want to like i think the ultimate question we ask ourselves when we're on the fence or we're just not sure about someone is do we want to work with this person like does it like does he she excite me us and um are there things that they can contribute and things that we can learn from and how open are they and flexible to learning from us and i think we also hire a lot for potential given that culture fit um aspect like if this person might not be quite um at the skill level of everything that we want but is eager and flexible and and seems like they would be a great culture fit we can definitely see them growing into that position and we've i think done a good job with that like a lot of people like including myself i mean i was not where i am now and um it's been such a great place to learn and grow so that's the other thing to consider we're good nurturers you said alexa reached out and like recruited you personally mm-hmm, mm-hmm. how did she find you so i will admit that she reached out a few times and it wasn't until it was repetitive that i i went in at the time i was um just wrapping up doing a small design, two-person design consultancy with a friend and was on the market to try to find a full-time gig. I really wanted to join a team and be with other other designers. And so there were a bunch of companies I was talking to, some of the, the major ones, as we may all know, and some startups. And I had not, OpenTable was definitely not on my radar. Um, I, I mean, I don't know if you guys all are familiar with the former OpenTable.com site and the former app, but... Um, it was definitely not quite the shining pinnacle of great design. So um, it was not on my radar, but she reached out, I think, once through Dribble because I had done a app, an iPhone app of off the grid for off the grid food trucks. Like just my friend and I were thinking like, hey, we love off the grid. Why don't they have an app? I hate looking up on Facebook or Twitter for every schedule and knowing which truck is coming. I just want it all in one place. And so it was just like a fun weekend thing. And I think she thought, ooh, this girl likes food and <laughs> reached out to me. <laughs> and um, then she reached out again on AngelList. And then I came for coffee, not really expecting the conversation to go anywhere, to be completely honest. But once I came into the office, they had just moved into um, our current office. And it was really had like a creative environment, I would say. And I was like very pleasantly surprised. And talking with her, it just seemed like there was a good like traction building and that there was momentum. And that was that was the main thing. And I agreed to interview. I literally didn't feel like I had much to lose. And throughout the interview process and when I got an offer, I I was very uh pleased with how things were going and what it seemed like was the possibilities were like. And I the only thing I had asked throughout my interview process was like, so how green is this light really? Like, are you guys like saying, you know, we're going to hire these designers, you can come in, you can change these things. But really when I show up on day one, I'll be like, oh, just kidding. Like, oh no, like we're just going to move a button here and move it there. And we might update our wasabi green, um, but there won't really be major changes. And so that was a main concern of mine. And so I would definitely push and try to get a very raw answer out of out of that question and yeah and that's how i joined and i think i think they stuck to their word things have definitely been changing and 
that momentum is definitely there. Um, how has the hiring process changed since since then? Where you had this really personal and intimate call for you to join the team, what's it like now? I think it's still pretty personal and intimate. Um, we do have a design recruiter, um, Susie, who is doing that full time, um, which has been really helpful, just so that everyone that we reach out to and and um, handpick can have that special touch. Um, and we make sure that they talk with our design director, Tom, and a, and a senior designer, if not more than one. And yeah, we have a mix depending on what product they might be interested in. Um, our interview panel or group will have a variety of product managers, a developer, two plus designers, and um, Susie's there along the entire way. So it's still very personalized, and um, depending on how interested or where the where the candidate might be at, like it could just be very casual if they're not if they're kind of uh, I don't know. And um, we can go. We we are on we're at Kearney and Post, and there's a lot of nice coffee shops and things on Kearney, so we can go get some boba, or we can go to coffee bar and get some hipster coffee and nice. just have a conversation. Or it could be like, yep, come in for your portfolio review and be all serious and all. Yep. Okay, two questions. Um, first, are you only hiring in SF? Or, oh, no, you have the London office. Um, I'm, I'm paying attention, I promise. Um, <laughs> okay, so uh, are those the only two places you hire from and you try and get people to move to those places? Yeah, I think for London, we... I mean, you we we are hiring for London positions, so if you're interested in London, you can be from anywhere. But I think we're also looking locally within London. Um, we have a design recruiter out in London as well. Okay. And um, yeah, it's just SF and London at the moment. Our actual company offices we are headquartered in SF. Then our second biggest office is in the UK. Then we do have a small office in Tokyo, and a really small office in Berlin. But the Berlin and Jap- Jap- uh, Japan office are not um, as product heavy for design, I guess. Um, but I think we are working on international expansion. So, oh, okay, yeah. awesome. Um, okay, then my second question is: How do you find designers? What's your process like? Are you dribble, or where where do you go to find? I, I mean, for me personally, I think a lot of it is my personal network and um, just people I know. Uh, I can't really speak that much for uh, outside of that just because I'm not doing that full-time. And Susie has been a huge asset to our team. Or Susie, our designer rec- recruiter, has been a huge asset to our team and reaching out and finding that. But I think any leads we have are people we, we can afford and we flag them to her. And she's the one that's doing a lot of the more administrative stuff of reaching out. Um, but if it's a personal you know, friend, which I have recruited personally a few people to our team i will definitely reach out and grab coffee or do some or talk with them and um i i mean when i reach out personally or if it's in my network it's it's definitely um something i'm putting my name on and something that i'm uh sharing with them and want to make sure that this is the right decision for both of us, um, the company as well as that individual. And so I'm not trying to be pushy about like, yes, open table is for you. You're never going to regret this decision. Like I'm, it's like talking with them and having a conversation is definitely trying, 
me trying to figure out what they're looking for and what they need as well. Because the last thing I would want is to recruit someone and then they join and they're miserable, which, you know, no one will ever be. But, you know, <laughs> I promise, I swear. <laughs> but in the case, uh, the rare case that were to happen, um, I would feel pretty horrible. So I make sure that that doesn't happen. Uh, for people listening, I imagine there's a lot of maybe younger designers. I, I don't really know. Um, but what are some common mistakes that you see designers make when they're talking to you or sending an application at OpenTable? Obviously, most people tend to get a bit nervous for interviews um, and coming in. And I think it's become this huge thing about like selling yourself, um, which is definitely important. Um, but I think it's important to remember that this company might have contacted you or they they brought you in because they're interested. So one, have confidence about that. And um, I, the other thing that I think a lot of people don't really do well is storytelling. And in that you know, typical 30-minute to hour-long portfolio presentation or a presentation of some kind the, um, is a great opportunity to just tell a story about all the products you've worked on. And I think that's the best way to have everyone engaged and to understand the things that you've done. Um, like, for example, when I'm talking about this restaurant product, the, the Guest Center iPad app, I think if I were to be like, this is Guest Center and I worked on this, um, it's a restaurant app that restaurants use. And um, you can see here, we've done a dark palette with rainbow colors. Um, it's not probably... I'm already asleep. <laughs> it's not the most engaging, but if if I do really approach it with like, so, um, you know, most of you are probably familiar with Open Table and the diner side of um, making a restaurant reservation. Well, let's today, I want to talk to you about, today I want to talk to you about what happens on the restaurant receiving end. So when you do go out and you choose that, you know, six o'clock reservation at Chino's, what is Chino seeing on their end? Right, and I right. want to talk about it from a host perspective. And this is the software that I'm designing that can better enable Christy, the, you know, <laughs> host um, at Chino to do her job better and ultimately serve you and give you a great dining experience so that you're getting your money's worth. And then you'll go on our review site and leave a stellar review, you know? Something like that, but <laughs> something like that. I've never pitched that before. I didn't have <laughs> that, that was very specific. <laughs> Christy from Chino. <laughs> I totally made all this up. I swear. Uh, yeah. No, yeah. I really did. <laughs> I, I just have a wild imagination. Um, there's probably no Christy at Chino, um, but yeah, I think storytelling is huge. And um, something some designers I've noticed might be concerned about showing breadth or like maybe their level of seniority or experience and. Uh, associate uh, seniority with like num like number of projects, and so they'll try to cover like s many many projects and just skim over a lot of them. And I think in reality, most companies don't really have the time or the energy to deep dive in most of these, and they would rather you just choose two, maybe three um, projects that you can talk for a little bit more about, and also choosing a variety of projects. So if you're interviewing for a product design role don't just come in with mocks or comps of just all your visual work make sure you you choose one that shows off your visual skills how you would do interaction how you might do prototyping 
um, those kinds of things. Just showing showing your breath. I mean, these all seem like pretty basic things, I guess, but um, they, yeah, there's not. It's not. It's not so. It is not so mystical. It is pretty straightforward. Um, yeah, and yeah. I, and then, I, uh, yeah. I mean, I can. It it seems straightforward now, but I think for especially more junior people or someone just coming into the field, like this is they have no idea, right? So I'm I'm sure this will be helpful to some degree as someone out there is preparing. Right, and I guess the other thing I would add is just as much as the company is interviewing you, you should be interviewing the company. Um, and figuring it out if this is the place for you and if this is the right fit and um, getting a good sense of that. And I think some people are a little bit scared of doing that because, again, it's like this whole mentality that I have to sell myself, so I'm not going to ask questions that are hard. And I just want to appear pleasant and um, easygoing. But I think asking those questions shows interest and um, genuinity. Or Sorry, that's not a real word. Genuineness. <laughs> Genuineness? Is that the right words? Sure. <laughs> it is for now. Um, it shows that you're being authentic and that you are actually really interested in this company and asking those questions um, can reflect quite positively on the company. Mm-hmm. On the company's end. You have to gonna do so much editing for this. Oh, that's fine. Well, let's take a quick second to talk about Hover. Hover is the best way to buy and manage domain names. We've told you about them a million times. They're fucking fantastic. I prefer to swear in my ad reads. Is that okay? <laughs> you can do whatever we, you want. We have an explicit <laughs> tag now, right? No, we don't. Do we need one or do we have one? It doesn't matter. Hover's there for us either way. Uh, the, they're the best way to buy and manage domain names. They take all the hassle and friction and concern over explicit tags out of registering our domain. Hover gives you easy-to-use, powerful tools to manage your domain so that anyone can do it. In less than five minutes, you can find the domain name you want and get it up and running, and all you have to do is search for a few keywords. My favorite keyword right now is lovin', because it's Brian's last name, and it leads to some very hilarious coincidences, like lovin.guru, lovin.republican, lovin.works, lovin.camp, Oh, these are all so good. Lovin. <laughs> Lovin.zone. Oh, <laughs> That's no. my favorite one. That's a domain name. Lovin.zone. It's fantastic. Oh my god. If someone registered that. Lovin.webcam. No. Yep. Lovin.webcam. Lovin.yoga. Lovin.rodeo. God. And all these are available on All of Hover. these are actually available right now on Hover. They're fantastic. Lovin.fish. <laughs> I love everything. Lovin.dating. There we go. Lovin.party. Lovin.help. <laughs> Lovin.tips. Which, that's an amazing one right there. Lovin.tips. Oh, Holy that is a good one. Wow. Yes. Please. There's some crazy-ass domain names right now. Like, yeah. GLDs are getting insane. If anyone registers one of those, uh, send us a link or tweet at us because that would be and awesome. And if you don't have a domain on Hover already, that means you can save 10% off your first purchase with our discount code BRAGDRIVEN, all one word. Just put it in at checkout, 10% off. The only came from the show, which really helps us out, and you can get a ridiculous domain that makes fun of Brian's name. Yay! Thanks again to Hover. <laughs> Thanks, Hover. Tell me a little bit about what's going on outside of OpenTable? Like what else are you interested or or what's going on in your life? 
What's really caught your fancy? Tell us about the real Chloe. <laughs> um, I have been on a health kick, been working out more, making green smoothies, like really just going full out San Francisco granola. Um, but <laughs> San Francisco granola. Um, that actually makes sense. Yeah. I had a green smoothie right before I came here. And yeah, but I've, I'm not going to go into the details of that because <laughs> that's boring. That was a pretty about- quick trip, though. Like you said, you were on your way and suddenly you were here after having a green smoothie. Uh, yeah. Do you I'm, have a teleporter? <laughs> I'm pretty efficient. Spry walker. Yeah. <laughs> Chloe Sprywalker. <laughs> uh, new nickname. Um, okay, so <laughs> transitioning Anyways, from joke. that. Um, nice, guys. <laughs> um, so, so aside from green smoothies, let's see. Um, I guess I've been in a little bit of a personal funk. Uh, not to get too deep dark and personal but um i i i want to say that i'm not the only designer or maybe even human being in tech that might start to feel this or has felt these kinds of things but um one thing i've been struggling more personally is figuring out what is next for me and what i want to do um tech being in tech being at open table doing the things i do in my life it's pretty amazing. I, I don't mean it in a um, bragging kind of way, but I know I'm sure most of us will admit we were like in the top five, three, two, one percent, perhaps of of where the world is right now. And um, if you had told me two and a half years ago, almost three years ago, when I first moved out to San Francisco, that this is where I would be in Brian's kitchen on a podcast. <laughs> I don't know that that's like uh, something to really be... Way to pull back the curtain. <laughs> yeah. um, but, uh, I mean, just kidding, we're in a professional yeah, studio the, that the just really happens to echo a lot and sound like a refrigerator. <laughs> um, I would you have... made it to the big leagues, Chloe. <laughs> this mic seems pretty fancy, so, you know. Um, but yeah, my point is that I would never have imagined myself here right now, and I am extremely grateful for getting to where I am now, and I don't attribute that just to myself. Um, but I think being in tech and being out here, it's easy to really be part of the famous bubble that we talk about, um, but just forgetting our roots or forgetting um, the importance of things outside of what we do. I think it's easy to get quite big-headed about um, our products and really just make ourselves out to be more amazing or like incredible than we really might be. Like At the end of the day, everyone's a human being, so um, it doesn't really matter that you're CEO of this or founder of this or you know whatever it may be. Like um, Just being able to have a humble moment. And um, one thing I've been talking about with some of my mentors or a reoccurring statement I've heard that has been great for me to hear is like, um, don't take where you are for granted. And um, that that is like a sin of the privileged. And I think a lot of us do start to get to a point where we, we it's hard to remind ourselves of like how amazing or how fortunate we are to be where we are. And 
Um, we forget that in the flurry of like Ubers and Google Shopping Express and Washio and like Munchery Postmates, like oh, all of that. I love um, Washio so much. <laughs> oh my God, you're one of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so those things are all great. And when I go back home to Northern Virginia, I remember the difference where you get into a car and you go to the grocery store and you go down to the basement and you do your laundry and um, you ask your friend to pick you up. Oh, uh, peasants. Uh, <laughs> um, sounds like you how plebeian. back in time. <laughs> but whenever I do go back, I, I love that reminder. I think mm. it's like just so important to have perspective and to be grounded. Otherwise, it's it is so easy to blow up your head into a giant, 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 like, bobblehead-sized balloon. Bobblehead balloon? Oh, I don't think that's a real thing, but we can make it real. <laughs> and that's that's because we live here. Like, anything can happen. And that's why we love San Francisco. All the possibilities. The greatest iOS device. I have a bunch of developer friends I can call up and be like, let's make an app together. And it can totally happen, like, right after this podcast. And the that's amazing and let's like not forget how fortunate and awesome that is so what does that mean for you like in terms of working in tech do you have bigger aspirations or or what's what's next for you so the answer to that is can be really short which is the i don't know and then the other part the more introspective part answer would be that i think I'm an individual that is constantly searching for more. Um, there's this greed, greedy part of me that is searching for something beyond the ordinary. Like I'm always striving for the extraordinary and the meaning of things. Like I don't want to talk about how your day was unless it was like extraordinary. I want to know what what do you comp- want to accomplish in the next year, the next five years? Like, what's the one thing you have to do before you die? Like, those kind of, like, really deep, uh, outlandish questions. Um, that's the kind of person I am, I would, I would say. Um, I'm not, I'm not crazy. Um, and so when I think about that and what I want to do in life, it's, it's tough. I, I think I joined Open Table with this primary goal of like, there's a bunch of work to do here. And now that a lot of that work has been done and it's never really over, it continues to iterate. But the the really big first page of a new book has has been written, um, first chapter maybe even. Um, it's 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 left me wondering what would be next for me. And I think being out here and being and having a network of amazingly talented uh, people has encouraged me to think about to think bigger and really um explore what design means and what it can do i think i started off um i was just telling you guys this but i started journalism and i did um visual communications and i kept thinking initially design oh it's like when people ask like oh so you're a designer you must make things pretty um and on a very 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 shallow level that's that's true um but I've been pushed to think about design globally and even on like a human race kind of level. And part of me really wants to do things that will change the wor- world. And 
um, thinking about design beyond screens and pixels and design um, in behavior, design amongst humans, um, and realizing that everything in this world is kind of like a system and a process that can have design applied to um, has been a lot on my mind. So are there certain steps you're taking to discover what that thing is? Is Are there like side products you're working on, anything of that sort? Obviously, I'm going to become a personal assistant voice, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to change the I'm world in my voice. I'm a career in the works. That's just destiny, though. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be like, hello, world. <laughs> Good morning, world. Beautiful. I'll download it. I'll download the, your voice. Um. Uh, I think I have been realizing that I struggle with what that next thing is going to be and what the quote-unquote big idea is, um, mainly because I don't give myself a lot of space to think about it or give my, op- not even space to think about it, like space and opportunity to stumble a- across something or get to know something. I think there is this like lack of being idle or still that we have um i think of my my day-to-days and it's like i wake up i go to work i stay up until 4 5 a.m and then i pass out go to work again and then when do you go to work it it this cannot air (laughs) (laughs) um i mean i think open table we 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 generally preside by like typical tech hours like 10 to 6 ish maybe 11 to 7 really just depends on you getting your work done and when meetings start Okay. But so what keeps you up till 4 or 5 a.m.? Just me being stubborn and like a child not wanting to sleep. Uh, <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> Mine is rarely that good. <laughs> um but I, what I what my bigger point is that um I am trying to take more steps at being still and I think some might call that meditation. Um but that sounds very serious. Um but just just not be not always having an agenda. And just changing, like I think my, one of my um, mentor slash friends was telling me, like just change your routine. I think I personally have always grown up being goal oriented and being like achievement, like achievement unlocked status, right? Where you you get Can you to say that again one more time. <laughs> achievement unlocked. Beautiful <laughs> badge one. <laughs> Here's a new sticker. Um, and the thing is that not everything has to have a purpose to it. Be, be, wanting to do something because you like it or you think you might like it can be enough. And I never really thought about things that way. I always was like, why would I go dump all my money on buying all these like watercolor supplies when really watercolor is not really going to make me money, I think. Like I'm not good enough to sell cards on Etsy, I think. And even if I was, there's a million people who do that. So why would I want to contribute to that? Or any of those kind of self-defeating thoughts um, are something that I personally struggle with and try to overcome with this general idea of like, it's okay, I don't need to know the answer now or I don't need to have an agenda. Like you can just do things and discover things and be more open about them, um, just changing your routine. And so um, I would encourage everyone to give that space to themselves. Like, I think a lot of us are trying to fill our every waking hour with things, um, work and then podcasts and 
um, dinner with friends using <laughs> after you make a reservation on Open Table. I mean, it's just it's just the typical. So um, I I think being alone and being still and trying things you might not normally do or things that you talk yourself out of all the time. I have gone in that exact opposite direction. <laughs> Wait, really? Yeah. You've I've, been nodding I've, your head this whole time. I've blocked off like my entire calendar in very loose chunks. I'm like, okay, focus better. Like that's been my whole goal is like focus better on the tasks instead of just like kind of uh, whatever. Just just go at them vaguely. No, I've been like, nope, block off every minute of every waking hour. I mean, I think I think it's definitely a balance, right? I, I struggle with that too is um, as creative individuals, we have this desire to be kind of like this bouncing ball, like going all over, like a squash ball, just like everywhere. Um, and that energy is actually really important. Um, I don't, I'm not trying to say don't kill that energy, but um, it's important to figure out the rhythm of things. And there's a beauty in having a certain amount of structure. So I think I, for example, would I really think that having the structure of going to work at 10 o'clock or having the 10 to 6 is great um, so that I'm getting up in the morning for something and there's this certain level of discipline involved. And um, within that discipline, though, you can find opportunities to have the stillness and versus just being still and pretty much dead. <laughs> Are you meditating? Or um, what does stillness mean for you personally? Um, uh, so the whole green kick, I've been doing a lot of yoga, um, and it's been great just to like be away in a space, like not a space that's not necessarily my home and, and not work and not a restaurant and, um, just being in the solitude or a solitude, even in the midst of a class on my mat. Right. And, um, having that alone time and not really thinking, uh, not even like really having the energy or the desire to think about anything other than what I'm, what's happening at the yoga class or what the instructor might be talking about. And that stillness has definitely been great. Um, but I should meditate more. I'm, it, meditation actually terrifies me, the, 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 the thought of it, just being that still. And again, this is exactly why I should do it because it scares me so much. Um, because I'm, I'm kind of worried I'm going to, I'm going to sit there still and one, be bored. I'm terrified of being bored. That's, that's it for me too. I was like, oh my God, I don't want to be bored. I feel so lucky. I haven't been bored in like five years, but like, oh, that's just the thought of meditating just drains me. <laughs> just the thought of it. I'm just like, oh, it's, I mean, like literally the easiest thing that you could probably do, but um, ah, it's quite hard, right? It, they say that meditation is one of the most valuable things you can do like for high performing people doesn't leo say that i think everyone says it i think it's quite common among it's C on the internet CEOs it's definitely and, true hey yes. hey no i think i think it meditation can be there's, some, there's some guy from buffer says it a lot i don't know <laughs> they listen to this good hi leo <laughs> <laughs> no i mean i i haven't been able to get into meditation but i, I certainly can understand like the value of that and it seems like you're Yoga is a can be a form of meditation, right? You're moving. Oh, for sure. Same with running. Same with walking. Like, they're just different styles of of finding that disconnection from bits and bites. And eating is as close as I get. I love eating. It shows. Thanks. Timid. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, like the whole time she was talking, Rin, you were nodding your head. How do you? Feel? I wasn't nodding my head. I was trying not to sneeze. Thanks he was for... actually falling asleep. <laughs> nope. <laughs> okay. No, I was just thinking. Um, no, like, yeah, meditation doesn't sound like fun. Well, what about like her? Uh, Chloe's whole thought on this bouncing, energy-driven, just need to achieve and accomplish everything, especially so, here in the city. Like when I was young, I was really bad at being productive. So I do not like to lose momentum, and I, I just I hate the feeling of stopping doing things. I have to be moving. But that's a whole different thing. You think that's good? I've always got to be busy. I just can't handle it. I think that's bad. Um, let's talk about relationships in San Francisco, okay. and I and I don't okay. mean just romantic. I think I'm talking. I mean human beings and people. Okay. Um, in the midst of all this productivity-oriented, efficient, highly efficient people and their busy schedules that we just talked about, breaking a bit of, um, I don't think people are the most invested in other people. Uh, this is something that a lot of metropolitan cities, I guess, generally suffer from. So San Francisco is not completely unique to that. But there's this level of transiency and this level of like, oh, Actually, my startup is my girlfriend thing that is happening. And so um, there's something definitely to be said about people and how we treat other people and the kind of investing we do or don't do in other people. And I think that spans from friendships to romantic relationships. And um. That's was kind of how I feel about dating in San Francisco. <laughs> I, well, you didn't really tell us how you yeah, feel about it. Yeah, you didn't say much about it. <laughs> yeah, you didn't. You kind I of was skirted, dating Ben for you in San Francisco. Yeah, you skirted your way around that one. <laughs> no, I, I guess um, the women, I might have heard this saying, there is the, the way to sum up dating in San Francisco is the odds are good, but the goods are odd. I'll just let that sink in for a second. I mean, it, I it's like three to one male to female in San Francisco, though, right? Two to one? Three to I, one? I thought I it was no some massive yes. like, deficit, comparatively. 60-40? I thought it was higher than that, but maybe I'm wrong. Whatever it <laughs> is, I know there's a lot of dudes out here. But there the thing are a lot is, of dudes, specifically. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of bros. Since no one can hear this, Bryn just gave a big, fat air quote. <laughs> You're a big, fat air quote. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that saying, the odds are good, but the goods are odd. Um. <laughs> so what does this mean for you, Chloe? <laughs> uh, stop trying to make it about me. Gosh, it's not always about me. This show's all about you. <laughs> Tried um, to make it about Bryn, and he shut me down. I think I will speak on behalf of my female friends. Okay. And we That's just a bit presumptuous. Isn't wink. It? Oh, she just winked at us. She just winked. All right. Yeah, yeah. This is your friend. My eyes are actually permanently cannot like fixed to my head. I cannot wink. My uh, eyelids my are, eyes <laughs> are fixed to my head as well. Generally speaking, I think that's what eyelids are there for. They're pretty locked in. I, what I meant was that I am like incapable of winking. All that right. might actually be the source of my poor dating life. Uh, <laughs> um. We, we just got if you just found out user research um <laughs> <laughs> what i was gonna say is that 
guys, just invest a little bit more. I would say, just I think we money. just need to be just spend money. money, don't spend time. <laughs> yeah, invest the uh, Series A, Series B, <laughs> Series C for Chloe, <laughs> <laughs> Series C for Chloe. Uh, okay, let me let me undo that. Command Z, Command Z, please. (laughs) Um, Use that high funding growth round. (laughs) um, Let me Command Z all the way back to the beginning of this question. And I will say that let's just be authentic, genuine people. How did you end up moving from print to UI and web and digital? I, like I said, I studied journalism and did that whole stint. I did a bunch of internships throughout that. I was very good about that. I wanted complete job security graduating. Um, And I was lucky enough, I joined USA Today full-time. I had interned prior prior to that. And I joined, um, I was doing magazine design, and it was a lot of fun. It was definitely different pace. We were doing print runs quite frequently. and the thing about being a printer is that once it's printed, it's it's done, it's gone. There's no um, app update. Uh, there is no, let's push another build. And so it was definitely different. And I, I was at USA for a year and a half before I moved out. That was in um, DC. And I, I moved out to San Francisco mainly because a friend I met out here was like, hey, have you ever considered being in tech? And I think it would be a great, you would be great at transitioning from print to digital. And of course I was terrified. Like the thing I always say to people is that like, there's some weird thing about us where when we graduate from college or we graduate school or we leave school or whatever it is, um, drop out of school. Like it's like this weird moment in our lives where we think that we have suddenly lost the permission to learn things or continue learning them. And that's, I kind of like realized that because I was like, why am I so terrified? Or like, what's the worst thing that could happen? Like, obviously these things are learnable things, but it just like felt like I was like so old at like 21 or 22 and graduating school. And it was like, done. I am like set. I am going to be a magazine designer and like, that's, I'm going to, you know, grow old and like eventually get cats or something. And that's going to be it. <laughs> but really, I'm not going to get natural cats. natural progression of, <laughs> of a so, print designer. I feel like a lot of that is tied to ego. Like I see a lot of people trying to convince people that they are an expert. And so they don't feel like they have room to learn because they have to be the best. Do you, that makes sense. Do you see that very often? Like that's something I see all the time, I think. Mm. It's just people who are like convinced that they have to be a subject matter expert and that means that they can't take someone else's opinion they can't learn from what someone else is doing because their way is better right i think that has that's definitely a side effect of like this whole imposter syndrome that we talk about in design um and not wanting to get caught because you have no idea what you're doing and um there's no way you should be getting paid for this or all those kinds of scary <laughs> self-doubting thoughts um but yeah i think um there is this like it's all part of that the way we were even talking about interviewing and those tips it's like your whole like package of trying to sell yourself you're like trying to be a car salesperson and so you can definitely never have a wrong answer and everything has to be like smoothed out like and no wrinkles right and be the expert in your industry so that people can trust you and you can get earn something and get recognition etc cetera, etc cetera. but um that's also been something I've been learning is that like 
there is a lot of power and vulnerability and just being able to be like, oh, I don't actually know. And I respect people who are like that tremendously because that is the opening, uh, that opens the door for so much learning on both ends. And it suddenly changes the dynamics that were there. Like instead of being like, oh, you're a know-it-all. I had to act like a know-it-all. We really both have no idea what's going on. We're going to build a great product together. And it's not like that at all. And so, and um, I was watching a TED Talk about this too, but like the whole power of vulnerability there is, um, I think the main thing that can cure this like imposter syndrome or um, give the opportunity to learn. And that's exactly what I was kind of battling when I moved out to San Francisco. Um, just like working with um, my friend that I was telling you about and he and he had this design consultancy called Curio and he was convinced that I could be a great visual contributor to that. He was one of the Carnegie, he, he's one of those Carnegie Mellon um, HCI students, graduates. And so he had a really solid interaction design background and just was looking for a partner that could help with the visuals. And we, we contacted with a bunch of students startups out here and um it was a great segue for me because if i had come and joined a company immediately i think i would have not i wouldn't have gotten a good breath of the industry but by being able to do small stints with various companies and seeing like oh this is the way one startup is oh this is the way another startup is oh like not everyone's the same like this is how a bigger company operates um, and working on a variety of projects was like the best way for me to learn what I wanted next. And I knew I wanted to work at a team and um, be part of a more established company. And that's kind of what I sought out. But kind of having that sampling or like, yeah, that's what I call it, the sampling, the the, the San Francisco tech sampling um, was my time for me to learn and like totally be okay with making mistakes and figuring out what, um, what I can improve on and what is really going on. Um, and I'd highly encourage anyone else to do that too, instead of feeling like, feeling like you need to come to San Francisco and have all your ducks line, lined up in a row and be like, I'm joining this big mega company and this is the way I'm going to learn it, which totally does contribute to something too. I, th- I think one thing I've been realizing um, also in life is there's no real like bad experiences. Like everything is an experience. And that's what I always told people uh, when I gave advice about doing internships, like everything in a way, like when, when we're in college or when I was in college and I was interning, it felt so much easier because I knew it was a fixed amount of time, anywhere from a month to three months, maybe if it was a long internship, six months, but I knew there was a, there was an end to it. And I knew that I was going there to learn and that it was okay that I didn't know everything because I was just the intern. And if you think about it, that's really just a very, uh, that's, that's just, that's kind of like the way we should be thinking about jobs and life too. Like, obviously we take ourselves seriously and you get paid a lot more. And there's a responsibility there. Um, and we try our best to uphold ourselves to those responsibilities. But in the, in the scheme of our lives, like let's say a hundred years, um, okay, maybe, maybe 80 years, 80 to a hundred years, whatever it is. Um, the, the year that, or even the two years I've had at open table, are kind of like the equivalent to a three-month internship perhaps, right? And so um, having that similar mindset of like, I'm here to learn too, and these things are, I'm I'm going to walk away with these experiences. And even if I do have not maybe the experience I expected to have, it is 
an experience, and I will figure out what I did like and what I don't like. And um, yeah, there was this other quote I heard. I was at the Women um, 2.0 Award thing last award night last um, week, and one of the winners was saying, like, um, her quote was, "Experience is what you get when you don't get what you wanted," and. That's, I think, a nice way of saying like what we call a bad experience, perhaps, but it could be just an experience, and um, that's kind of where or how I got to Open Table, and that's where I am now. And uh, I don't really remember the bad, I think, because I, I, I can kind of see the dots aligning um, or connecting. That's how they call it, connecting. Um, where you, you know, those. What are those drawings called? Where as a kid you connect the dots? Uh, they're called that. I think that. <laughs> okay. Connect okay. the dots. Is it that easy? That can't be it. Too simple. It's um, always the simplest. <laughs> but yeah, it's like this connect the dots game, and I can see from this dot to this dot, and um, you're just waiting at the end of life to see what what the actual image is. When you're still making the dots, it's kind of hard to figure out what the actual image is. Yeah. Once it's done, you can see it. Right, exactly, exactly. Metaphors. <laughs> Metaphors, woo! What do you think your drawing's going to be? I don't know. If I knew that, there would be no, I mean, I wouldn't be here. Mm. You can hi- hypothesize. Predict. <laughs> Probably a Predict better word. Predict your future dots. <laughs> Predict your future dots. I think that mine, whatever it is, is probably going to be pretty gnarly like pretty detailed like i think <laughs> some people might be more like a geometric like a, some kind of polygon like a geometric shape right where they have a sp- spaced out dots that maybe have straight lines that look like straight lines zoomed out mine because of how much divergence there might be might actually look like there's squiggly lines whoa i know <laughs> mind-blowing right <laughs> mind blown like when the dots are so close together that you don't even see the line between them. Uh, cool. Well, do you want to tell everyone where they can find you online and, and keep up with what you're working on at OpenTable or otherwise? Sure. You can find me online at... Um, no, in all seriousness, you can find me pretty much on the internet with Chloe Park. Um, that's C-H-L-O-E. Surprisingly, people misspell that or they think i'm a kardashian but um it's chloe park and it's like dolores park park because i think some people are like that's so simple it cannot just be the park no Um, one else knows what dolores park is except for san franciscans it is like the state park your national state park wherever you live (laughs) (laughs) um so twitter.com slash chloe park um instagram.com slash chloe park www.chloepark.com. Wow, you got it all. Cool. Well, I we'll did. link to you from the show notes and send people your way. And we're awesome. going to post that voiceover with Nils from oh, gosh. Biochemistry. <laughs> biochemistry is the study of organic <laughs> compounds. Oh, yeah, that was good. Oh, if anyone has any voiceover requests, I totally told them I would be slipping this in, <laughs> but for real, like any voiceover, narration, uh, I don't know, voice actor gigs? I think I could be animated. I mean, this is like pretty late and I'm, I'm my vocal cords are still good. And yeah. um, any Keezy board requests? Um, 
Hit me up, please. <laughs> just become like a custom Keezy board recorder. You know, like people bring you their phones and you just record Keezy. Yes. Can you record my voicemail for me? That'd be super great. You've reached Bryn Jackson. <laughs> uh, this was fun. Thanks. That was good. We did it. Achievement unlocked.